All right, folks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be the intro. <laughs>
I guess, you know, love and embrace freedom, uh, particularly the natural environment up here. Do you think the, um, yeah, do you really think the community's ready, ready for change at the moment? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, a lot of people, yeah, but the majority, not. I don't think so. I think it's going to take a. I think it's going to take a serious event, you know. Yeah. Like some of the stuff that we're always looking at, like yeah. the the world really changing. I think that's the thing because otherwise people are still too comfortable, you know. Like life's kind of too easy, in a lot of ways. Even though they're getting a bit scared about certain things, it's not enough for them to change their habits. This is the mainstream we're talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, I think some kind of massive event will be a blessing. Well, if you if you look at what's going on, you've got. The average person still, even in the streets of Byron, I think Mullum's probably about 50-50, but even in the streets of Byron, probably the majority still wearing masks, would it be fair to say, in the streets? Oh, no one at the moment. It's it's funny, actually, because I think a lot of those people you see, uh, they're either on the fence anyway, they just don't know enough. They're just not comfortable in themselves to be, you know, they might know what's really going on, but they don't want to be seen as they don't want attention like oh that guy or that woman you know they're like i'm just going to put it on so i can just go and do my stuff and not draw attention but knowing that it's not right Mm -hmm. and then you've got a lot of tourists that come and make it look like it's not Mm -hmm. and then um i mean we had signs just last week uh in byron with like you know you know a lot of different signs put up and honk if you're against mandatory uh, anything and all that sort of and like every at least every second car if not more, was like tooting and, and like all on the horn and stuff. Well, so. it, it's funny you say that because we've got that shirt we do, the Nuremberg yeah. 2.0. Yeah. And wearing it around the shops, in all my life, I've never had a shirt where I get so many comments on one shirt. But the people commenting on my shirt were the one behind, ones behind the counters who are working. Yeah. Like, hey, dude, nice shirt. <laughs> hey, dude, love your shirt. Heaps of people who I didn't think yeah. were aware of what's going on and had a look at my shirt. And then I've had other people stop me and say, hey, man, you know, that's a cool shirt. Love, love, love mm. the statement you're making. Let's hope this craziness ends. And then put their mask back on mm-hmm. and get on with their business. Yeah. So you're spot on. There's a lot of people out there who are just doing their thing who look like they're really part of the agenda. They know what's going on. Yeah. And, well, how many people were at the protest over the weekend? <laughs> you know? That was extraordinary scenes, and I think um, you know the uh, the frustration we felt for the last eighteen months, two years, that the average Aussie is just sort of sitting at home with Netflix and the aircon and, and a case of beer in the fridge and some Domino's pizzas on the way. Yeah, <laughs> you know the average Aussie that we thought was silent, they've gone screw this. Mm. We've, we've had enough. It's been frustrating that way. Like both of us have said over the last year or so that. Um, you know, sometimes we lose a bit of faith, right? It's like, oh, I'm like, come on, there's just too many zombies out there. <laughs> it's just... Well, I just saw that meme come up before. We should uh, cut it in. But it's got, it's got this pendulum swinging. And it's like, the pendulum swings one way. I've got hope for a better future. Then it swings the other way. We're doomed, we're all fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it swings each way, each day. Yeah. You know, because some days it's, it's incredibly disheartening. You know, we've got this situation up there in the Northern Territory. Um, and to see our own, look, we have unconfirmed, unverified reports that our own military <clears throat> is forced vaccinating the indigenous populations up there, <clears throat> which is extremely concerning. Um, I think what we've got to do, especially in the alternative media, is not jump to conclusions, not get on the, you know, the fear bandwagon. But if this is going on, this is, you know, radically concerning. Mm. Well, they were definitely starving them out. They were taking away their food. Yeah. I know that for sure. Yeah. But I don't know about the forced injections yet, but it's worth it's something I want to go and investigate. I want to go there. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. want to go there, hey? Yeah. 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 I, I did a, a doco uh, interview with a film crew last week, and we are talking about that, and they go, we've got to go to Sydney for a bit because that's where they're from. Right. They said, after that, bro, if you want to go, we're thinking of going. And so yeah. it'd be great to get a whole crew go. Yeah. And just to yeah, figure out what's really going on. Yeah, look, I, I'd definitely support that. I'd love to be a part of that. Because yeah. I went up to Catherine and Northern Territory and all through that region up there, gosh, it'd be over 20 years ago now. Amazing part of the world. But I even remember back then that the indigenous, the originals up there, they, they were suffering. You know, you'd come into town, you'd see a lot of, a lot of homelessness, a lot of, a lot of uh, squabbling amongst each other and a lot of neglect from the authorities as well. And I can just see how this is so opportunistic for this government that is just turning into this rogue cartel. Mm. How it, you would not put it past them. And if you've seen some of the rhetoric coming out of Michael Garner, he's just <laughs> he's just maniacally hell bent 
on injecting everyone yeah. and running this campaign that is somehow to protect the indigenous, somehow to somehow save them from this alleged boogeyman that has probably, look, there's no unconfirmed, sorry, there's no confirmed deaths of, uh, of, of indigenous from so-called COVID-19. We haven't even had the stupid thing isolated. That's a whole other conversation, but they're being exploited. No one can deny that. They're yeah. being exploited. They're being, they're being targeted. They're even exploited by the dude mentioning him. Like the way he talks about it, it's just like, yeah, you don't care about that. You're just trying to use it as a, you know, like a political card to try to, or a guilt card or something. It's ridiculous. That's a dinner plate eyes guy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Michael Gunner, chief minister of Northern Territory. And what, what gives these people the right to think they can dictate health to a sovereign people? This man in a suit in front of a camera standing there saying, this is what we're going to do to protect you. We're going to shove in two doses from the age of five and up of an untested, unjustifiable medical experiment into your body because we care, whether you like it or not. Fucking it's insane, body. eh? It's insane. It's insane. We watched that before, eh? Yeah, I was pissing myself laughing. Yeah. It's, just, it's hilarious that, you know, the thing that gets me about it is that... Um, like what he's saying, it's a little bit, you know, it's very concerning, but the way people like that and Jackie Lambie mm. just go full demon mode and, and like the eyes, like you brought it up, you showed me, you go, bro, he doesn't, he doesn't blink. And I'm like, he doesn't blink, but we all blink while we're talking, right? And so like, what's going on with that? How can you go through minutes of talking and you're like, just eyes like, it's not natural at all. So there's something going on there where there's some programming, there's something going on or substances, whatever it is. Mm. Something mm. going on with that. Well, Northern Territory is a big remote area. We know there's bases up there as well. There's yeah. lots of different rumors and theory and conspiracies that comes out of you know Northern Territory. But either way, looking at his delivery and anyone with any sense of <clears throat> intuition of being able to read body language, there is something fundamentally going wrong. And you know, MK Ultra. Is not a conspiracy theory. It's, it's a declassified CIA operation, mm -hmm. and there's irrefutable proof and evidence of its widespread use, not just through the United States, but throughout Hollywood, throughout the music industry, different celebrities, and different politicians. And there looks—it's looking more and more every day like the globalists or the deep state or whatever you want to call them, this cabal, this cartel—they're singled out Australia, and all of these so-called elected officials, they're all reading from the same script. They're all starting to sound exactly the same. They're all starting to look the same. If you look at some of the, the, the verbiage that comes out of Daniel Andrews and you put it alongside Michael Gunner and then you put it alongside Jackie Lambie and then you put it next to Anastasia Palaszczuk and Jeanette Young and Brett Sutton and all these people, they all start to sound like they're under the same program. Yeah. It's just this relentless propaganda. But it's not even so much it's the script, it's the delivery. The delivery, exactly. It comes out the same, it's like... It's the same. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what's funny about it? The reason I laugh at it is because I'm like, how can you not see that that is not... There's nothing natural about it. And the thing that gets me is that, like I talk a lot about, most adults in society are really kids in adult bodies. True. So when you see, if you see the way they're speaking, it's almost like they're trying to talk down to a kid. It's like, you've got to go to bed at this time, David, and you can't have ice cream and you're never going to have ice cream again until you learn to go to bed on time and you clean your bedroom and you do this and you do that and that's how it's going to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's how they talk. Yeah. So it's only, to me, it's only a child, in a child that will go, and have that, like they, I think they do it on purpose because that's the effect. They're trying to have that power structure where we're the authority and you're the kid and you're, you're under our rule. Like that's what I see. I'm not saying that's what it is, but that's what I see. And the reason I find it hilarious is because I think if you've grown up a bit, you, you kind of reverse that. And if you, the reason I laugh so hard at it is because if you imagine a kid, a five-year-old, telling you, they go, you're not going to do this unless you do that, and you're not going to do this, and we're going to... You'd just be like, <laughs> good on you, like rub them on the head. It'd be hilarious, right? Mm. So for me, it's like, it's that bit of who are we? Like, are we remembering who we are yet? Do we know what they really are? Mm. Do we know, like, the authority that they do not have? Mm. And that they're just putting out this whole thing as an offer to get people to fall into their spell. 
And that's why I think, you know, when you said it's the delivery, it's I'm hundred percent with you on that because the delivery is like, if you listen to a meditative someone doing a, they don't go, all right, mate, meditate now. They go, relax and listen to my voice. You know, there's a tone and it's supposed to put you in a certain place. And that's what these, uh, whoever they are, these politicians, that's what they do. They talk in a certain way to like put a spell onto the public through their, their broadcast. And then it's funny with that too, because the mainstream media is always pointing something a certain way. Like they'll go, you know, bearded anti-vax or whatever, and then caused havoc and is harassing people. And, and that's what goes out. But if you talk to people on the street, they're like, it's completely the opposite. Mm. And that's why I think sometimes we get a bit confused or it's easy for people to get down because they just think that this is what's happening. But if you're actually out on the street talking to people and like the person, well, oh, do good shirt, putting their mask back on, like they know mm. they're not, they're not in their body enough yet in their truth and their power to actually live that, but they know it. Mm. And so for me, it's like they're in this middle ground. Mm. And if there is an event that causes the need to rise, they will. Mm. Like, I actually think there's probably enough to rise, you know, it's just that like, what's the, what's the stimulus to do it? Yeah, I, I think you're right. There's going to be major events and major, I guess, societal shifting uh, perceptions as these things unfold. But I think ultimately where we're headed is toward the irrelevance of government. Mm -hmm. and the desperation that we're starting to see come through now is really starting to show they're looking maniacal and the way that it's like they're panicking because you've got to remember they've come this far rolling out this agenda which is completely diabolical and, and treasonous and unlawful and downright evil. They've come this far. They just can't pull up stumps and say, okay, you guys, I know. you guys were right. We've, we've actually been trying to kill you off and gen, a bit of genocide here and medical experimentation and big pharma paid us all off. They can't pull up stumps. They've got yeah. to double down. They've got to triple down because they know they're guilty of sin. Yeah. You see them in their faces. So they've got to ramp things up because we're ramping up. People are waking up. And the waking up is, you know, moving into what I love what you talk about, Tom, this self-empowered state where government becomes irrelevant. It's like when I, I go down the beach every day and I see the signs, no camping, no rubbish, no beach access, no driving here, no, no parking there. It's like all these signs everywhere, right? But if you're an honorable person and you're in tune with nature and in tune with your soul and the creator, you don't need these rules. You've got a, a self-governing rule inside you, which is the principles of, of you know, love thy neighbor, love thy God, do no harm. Yeah. Pretty simple stuff. Yeah. So when I go to the beach, I don't need placards every 50 meters telling me not to leave my rubbish because I'm not going it, to, it's, it's inconceivable for me to go to a beautiful place and dump a pile of plastic, mm -hmm. you know, as it, as it would be the same in business or dealing with my neighbor or just common courtesies that are innate to human nature. And that's what we've, we've lost, you know, and that's why I think society's found us, we found ourselves in this place because a society that drifts away from the truth of who they are needs these maniacs to govern them almost because these people you know normally can't think for themselves so as people start thinking for themselves remembering who they are lining up with their with their truth these people's relevance starts to dissolve and now they're dissolving and they're like hey we're, we're relevant we're yeah. important do what we tell you or else and that's what's going to happen and this is the whole thing it's like I think despite getting multiple knocks on the door, the cops have left me alone now because I've always said there's no need for a violent revolution. There's no need to, to storm any offices or parliament or anything. There just needs to be mass awareness. You don't even have to fight. You just have to say no. Mm -hmm. You just stop complying. You're in business. You, you stop sticking up your QR codes. You stop asking for people for their, their stupid vaccination status. If yeah. you're a medical practitioner... You stop pushing this poison out. You stop being gagged by these authorities into saying you can't practice anymore without our, our license. No, you can practice anyway. You keep helping people. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I say I've been dealing with a lot of people in the health profession, you know, nurses and that, and it's just kind of like, if you care for, if your thing, your purpose in life, like you're, you feel that your service to humanity is to care for people, mm. you don't need someone's permission to do that. Like whether you work in a hospital or not, you can still care for people. It's not like I'm taking 
getting a piece of paper away and like, oh, there goes my skills. Yeah, <laughs> I can't right. possibly care for someone now. Right. So like, everything that people can do, you can actually do better. You can do more liberally and, and better mm -hmm. and a closer connection to your actual purpose because anything that there's a middle man, it just dilutes it. So that's the system, that's your uh, qualifications, your insurance, the body that regulates and governs you. That all takes away from your ability to do it. And I talk to plenty of doctors who are either now deregistered or, or and they'll say, they all say the same thing. They just go, it's just, it's a horrible system. It does not care for people. And then the minute you go to say something slightly against the narrative, there goes your registration. Like they're under threat the whole time. And that's a disempowered place to be. I don't care if you're on 300 grand a year, that's disempowering. So it's like, where, at what point do people value themselves and their empowerment more than they value, you know, it's like, I just think it's prostitution because it's like, you do what we say. If you don't do it, you don't get your paychecks. Like, fuck that. You know, I make decisions for myself, not someone else. That's why I've never registered with anyone. And that's why the mainstream like to try to, they try to pick that apart. They're like, oh, well, you're not even registered to a, and I'm like, exactly, that's why I can do what I do. That's why I actually help people. Mm. It's just such a different, it's like a complete shift in the mindset. But what it does is when you let go of that, you end up with way more. And the, I, don't, I think people are like, they're more than capable of it. But understandably, they're at that precipice where it's a bit scary. Because they're like, what if I take that step? <gasps> I'm all self-responsible now. Now I've got to create everything for myself and I've got to, you know, but it's like, if you take that step, you're rewarded. As soon as you find that connection again to closer to the source, it's like, you can't not be looked after. So true. So true. It's like, you know, I think COVID has brought in so many blessings. There's so many silver linings, you know. I think if we focus on the silver linings and push our energy over there, that's when this thing starts to turn around anyway. I feel we're very close to a tipping point. You know, personally, when I look at what I was doing <laughs> prior to COVID, you know, I was, doing I was doing medical sales, funnily enough. I got offered a sales role. I was selling defibrillators, mostly throughout the fitness industry, talking to a lot of industry bodies like Cricket Australia, Tennis Australia, mm -hmm. Swimming Australia, trying to get more defibrillators out there. And it wasn't exactly the most fulfilling role. Like, it had a bit of purpose to a degree, like you're helping people save lives, good conversations, building relationships and so on. But when I started speaking out and calling out this madness, I stepped away from that role. I was like, oh, you know, what, what am I gonna do? Mm -hmm. And I'd been doing a little bit of investing in, in cryptocurrency trading and so on. And then we had the idea to get some of what we believe and what we're passionate about onto some, onto some you know, merchandise and so on. And then from there, you know, it's really, I guess using, using social media and then going through the censorship experience and how disempowering that is and realizing how much power the mainstream media has had mm -hmm. and then social media just blanking us out like your YouTube channel got wiped and all the content there. Yeah. It's like the actual problem here, even more so than the politicians, has always been the media. The media is the virus. The mm -hmm. media is the programmer. The one that's putting everyone under this mind control or this or this spell. It's like, well, if the media is the virus, the alternative media really is the solution. And now here we are. We're we're working on getting the our our alternative media out to a wider audience. And you know, as things line up and getting in alignment, and this brings me back to your earlier point. That was my first interview. You know, I've obviously built a bit of a platform there on Telegram. Reached out to Ricardo Bossi. He got the interview there. And in five days, that video got over 100,000 views, you know? And if you get in alignment and you focus on the silver linings, then things start to roll out. And this is how I feel we're, we're making a difference. And everyone who's been following our journey and watch this, watch this when we're very quiet, we're just a small voice who outspoken. And you had your video uh, about, uh, what was the name of the video? You can't catch a virus. Oh yeah, can you catch a virus, yeah. And that just went completely viral. And we had really no audience or no platform from then. And yeah. you know, my, my voice kind of got out there. I used to have a very small social media presence, but there was just one explosive rant after I saw Jenny McCarkis refusing to ask questions in Victorian Parliament. I just unleashed. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember going down to, um, down to dinner with Georgie that night. It was the anniversary of my sister's passing. And uh, I hadn't thought much of the clip. I just knew I had freaking unloaded on Facebook at the insanity of this. I was like, take it was off, so good. Take off your fucking mask, Australia. What are you doing wrong? And I got down, and, my, and within 45 minutes on Facebook, this thing had 200,000 views or something. Mm. It had just gone wild. Like, 
oh my God, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> I've got all these text messages from people and people trying to call me and say, are you okay? I mean, I'm worried about your safety. I was like, shit. I actually turned off. It was too much for me. I'd never had that sort of public attention. Yeah. And I actually turned off my Facebook so people could just stop seeing it and sort of try and get it under control. But the point being is that um, if you follow your heart and you follow your passion and you stay in line with, with what's driving you, then things will come and things will work out. And that's mm-hmm. the silver lining of this whole thing is people have had to reassess everything. You know, society was so empty and, and vacuous and, you know, married at first sight and reality TV and Kardashians and Louis Vuitton and Prada Sunnies and steroids at the gym and all this bullshit. And now everyone's been put on their ass for two years and gone, what am I really about? Mm-hmm. This is the war of the ages. This is good and evil. What side am I on? I think a lot of people are thinking about their mortality, their faith, their relationship with God, all of that. So there's more, there's so much more on offer here than just uh, dismantling totally. the agenda. Yeah, it is a blessing, very much. Yeah, and it's really shown, you know. So, I mean, before I made that video too, like I was pretty much just, I spent a lot of years just on the sidelines. Mm. Like I used to see what was going on for ages. Like I knew every, every um, you know, swine flu and avian flu and meningococcal and Ebola and, like, I, I always knew they were hoaxes, but I never, like, went and said anything about it because I was just like, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most stuff, in general conversation, I'd just say what I thought, but never really did. Oh, I went to protests here and there. I, you know, always spoke out when necessary, but just not on a big platform. But then, you know, it was just sitting on the sidelines is only takes you so far. And there's, I think there's an element of, like, life just goes, no, you've got to actually get more in there because mm-hmm. I was pretty comfortable on the sidelines. I sit at home, play guitar, go for a surf, just kind of, you know, do my own little bits of work. Like I quit being a holistic pra- uh, health practitioner so I could just go do gardening and landscaping just because I liked it more. Mm. But it was funny because like, like I injured myself quite a few times, like got gashed right through my hand, separated a shoulder, did a few things. And every time I'm kind of like, is this a sign that I'm just like not meant to do this, working on farms and stuff because I like it. And I find that it's good to be that close to the earth. But then I'm like, there's probably a million people that can do this job. This is not like a hot, this is not like my essence. And then I'm kind of like, am I getting injured? Because this is a sign. It's like, dude, you're not supposed to be doing this. Like there's only a few people in the world that could maybe hit a certain topic the way some people can. Like there's certain musicians or whatever, they can, like only they can sing that song or whatever. Like anyone can cover it, but it's not the same. Mm. And I'm like, am I supposed to be farming at this point in my life or do I have more of a role to play? And I really feel like I was hiding. Mm. I was like, oh, fuck that. I, I don't want to be in the spotlight. I don't want attention. I don't want, I don't want to have to be part of that. I just want to be here in the garden, just do my thing. I like being like ghost. I like ghosting. <laughs> I just like going places. No one knows who I am. No one cares. You know, and I was just like, I like that. But I think it was kind of, that's not the purpose of my life. The purpose of my life was not to get from A to B without being seen, you know? Like you said earlier this morning when we were chatting, you're like talking about, you know, going to some events and that, and you just go, you know, if I look back, what do I want to have known that I did? Mm. And so when COVID came, I was like, I'm going to make a video. <laughs> and then a few people, I spoke to them and they go, I don't want to watch it and no one will care or no one will listen. I just go, yeah, I know, but I need to know that I did something. Yeah. I, just, I need to know that I did something. And so, yeah, and then it just went wild, like same as yours, just within a short us, amount of time. Tell us the, the premise of the video um, and the actual underlying, I guess, theory behind it that resonated with so many people. Yeah, well, okay, so the premise is everyone's freaking out about this virus that's flying around, killing everyone. Mm-hmm. And you can catch it off metal surfaces, but not off this surface, and then it's in the air, and then it's in, you know, it's like, how are people buying this it's, it's ridiculous it's like the same as all the other ones but at this point i'd never seen one that really tried to shut down the world pretty much because i saw it in you know going on in china and people were sending me videos they go oh, look at these people they're falling over and that i'm like i've been around a lot of different kinds of diseases and illness and i've never seen that like that's that's not how I, that's not what happens in reality and i'm like surely people can see that surely people can see that people are just you know and, you know, I got into film and photography and, and part of the advantage of that is when you see a video, you know, like people just see it because they were used to watching movies and they go, oh, well, that's what happens. And I'm like, no, but that's filmed. So to be filmed, there has to be someone in position to film it. 
They have to be in a certain spot at a certain time. They have to frame it a certain way. There's an in point and an out point when you edit and everything. Like unless you're standing there filming stuff 24 hours a day, and you're just somehow going to pick something up yeah. in that frame, and it's not over there, out of frame. It's like it's there's a there's a thought process to it if you're going to shoot something. So then, even little things like that, I'm like, surely this is never going to come to Australia. Like, there's no way people, are gonna... <laughs> you know. And then it started coming here. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me! People are actually buying this. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I thought it was I, funny. I, I bought it at the start. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, a lot of people did, but it's like, but at the same time, I still think that people had something in them that doubted, even if it was unconscious. It was like, mm. so then when I put the video out, I did not expect people to actually see it. That's why I put like some stuff in that I, if I had edited a video that I knew was going to go out, it would have been different to that. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you didn't expect it to go but, out. Yeah, yeah. Time. But um, so yeah, so then the premise is this. People are freaking out about catching this killer virus. Mm -hmm. But the premise is this, is a virus a living thing? Mm -hmm. So then, well, it's not, you know, does it have a nucleus? doesn't have a nucleus. Like a microorganism, like bacteria, fungus, they have a nucleus, a cell nucleus. They have a digestive system, a respiratory system, or a circulatory system, some kind of system that makes it a living organism. Right. But a virus isn't. A virus doesn't have, it's not even a cellular organism. Right. A single cell even. So it's, 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 a, it's a particle, so it's not living. So then it's like, well, how do you catch something that's not alive? How can you possibly be attacked by something that's not alive? So even by that definition, if you want to use like the germ theory, attack, contagion theory, then what if you could catch it, then you're catching technically a toxin, like a fragment of metal, like you're getting a, a tiny fragment of steel in your body. Right. And what does your body do then? If you did get that in, your body surrounds it, causes a bit of inflammation, your body processes it and it's gone. So even by the medical germ theory standard, if there was a contagion that's a particle that's not alive, the worst that can happen is that it causes a bit of inflammation, get a little bit of redness somewhere or, or in your gut, you might like throw up or burp or fart or something and then it's gone. But that's the worst that can happen. So that was the premise of the video. I was like, why are people freaking out about a protein fragment with a bit of fat around it? That's all a virus is. Right. So it's like, you can't catch that shit. Yeah. It's like, it's not an invasive organism because it's not an organism. Yeah. It's not alive, so you can't kill it or catch it or... Or anything. Yeah. yeah. So then I think the, the way that I put humor to it too, I think it was just kind of like people already knew something was probably slightly not right. Even if they still thought there was a contagion, mm -hmm. they're like, I don't know if something's right about this. And then that helped them to just go, okay, yeah, this is bullshit. <laughs> it, it was funny looking back because... You know, I've been down the rabbit hole for quite a while, so to speak, and knew that this so-called New World Order, Deep State, mm -hmm. whole operation was coming, you know, had been, been sort of there not long, not long after 9-11, actually, when I started asking questions and reading books and, and read Behold the Pale Horse from William Cooper and, and all that sort of stuff that was being leaked, you know, back in the day. But I didn't see it coming in the form of a virus or this alleged contagion. And I've been watching the alternative media and a, a guy I follow has got a, a channel on YouTube called Last Messages and he's been documenting all the events coming out of China with all this so-called raw footage. And I actually bona fide thought that a proper bioweapon had been leaked from China and we were going to see like a mass casualty event worldwide. I was mm -hmm. like, wow, this thing's going to come here and when it does. <laughs> and I remember... You know, when it hit the stage and started popping up everywhere, this is, you know, this is early, um, gosh, this is early 2020 now, isn't it? Yeah, this is mm -hmm. coming up to two, two years ago. Mm -hmm. It would have been around, it would have been actually December, I, I think I first started watching it, 2019. Yeah, and, it was yeah, November, yeah. December 2019. It was, I started watching all these, all this raw footage coming out from this guy, he's only got a small channel, really cool, really cool uh, vlog that he does actually. And I remember seeing the footage of the Chinese people walking down the street and they just start going and they fall flat on their face, bang. And there was this other guy that stuck with me. He was at his desk, he had his security foot camera on him. You know, he's just doing his work at his desk and he just starts going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, this thing's real. There's a proper bioweapon. Who knows what they make out of Wuhan? God knows what. They're probably mixed some sort of Ebola with AIDS with something out of the bat and put it through the microwave and yeah. <laughs> released it into the 5G 
network. Yeah. But I actually thought, you know, this thing's real. I thought a lot of people were going to die. I remember when the panic first hit here would have been January, you know, 2020. And you couldn't get a mask anywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, I need to get a mask. And I found one supplier up on the Gold Coast, this little gas company, you know, gas, gas and plumbing company that had a box of masks. I bought two boxes, so I had some for all the friends and family. Yeah. <laughs> and then... It wasn't long after. I probably, I probably drank the COVID Kool-Aid literally for about four weeks, maybe less. And then, funnily enough, that's right. Tom Hanks was staying in my mm. building. Tom Hanks was staying in my building. I was living in Oracle Tower One in Broadbeach, and uh, rumor came out to me that Tom Hanks was in my building. And the next minute, he's COVID positive. And I was look, Tom Hanks and everything. He's been up to over the years. All that aside, <laughs> I was like Wilson. Well, <laughs> yeah, Wilson, I thought, I better not fucking see Tom Hanks in the fucking lift because if I see a, if I see a demon in the flesh, yeah. look out. Yeah. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying, I'm like, better not see old Tom in the, in the lift. Then I start thinking, shit, what if fucking Tom's bad breath's coming through the aircon? Yeah. <laughs> right? And I'm like, hang on a minute. And then I started to put the pieces together. I saw a couple of other great clips, um, from, especially from High Impact Flicks uh, and another American guy on YouTube. And he started, to, I was like, damn it, this is the next false flag. This is the next 9-11. This is how they're going to do a 9-11 on the whole world. They're going to rush a whole bunch of insane legislations and dictates, new problem, reaction, solution. I was like, wow, this is it. That's when I started you know, speaking out, and mm-hmm. people started listening and, and our movement, our community started to grow. But um, just going back to your video, Tom, how was it for you when it caught you by surprise and it started to just explode? You would have seen the viewing going up. Into the yeah, I was like, oh no, I was the same as you. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Because, uh, yeah, actually just, I'll get to that, but it's funny when you say you saw the security guard sort of having some fit or whatever. Was that, what sort of footage was it? CCTV or? Yeah, it looked like CCTV. So, some of it looked like raw mobile phone footage of people, lots of bodies lying in the streets. Mm. You know, there was apparently this huge Chinese crematorium that they just couldn't fit all the bodies in. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. A lot of it was we'll funny. see, because what, what would happen, right, is if that was filmed, that's definitely fake. If that was filmed by a camera, it's definitely fake. But then if it's filmed by CCTV, imagine you, you run a company, right? Mm-hmm. You think about the insurance, the litigation, the... the um, nothing like that could get out. So you don't, if that's CCTV footage, you don't just go leak that. Hey, look at this dude having a fit on our company property. Do you know what I mean? That's like, you hide that stuff. That especially doesn't get out. Especially out of China. Yeah. If you're a Chinese employee and you leak something from the company, yeah. you're going straight to the gulag. Oh, man. <laughs> you get the two in the back. You're buried, head. exactly. Yeah, you're gone. So, um, so just straight away, anything that would have come out, it's, it's got to be set up. It's, it's done for a reason. But yeah, anyway, so coming back to that, uh, yeah, the, I mean, I've got, I've got a sort of all right phone now, but that last phone I had was really bad. And then it wasn't even turning on properly in the morning because I, I actually posted it at one in the morning. So I had a job as a uh, photographer, videographer for a local guy. Right. And... Um, I'd got home from work and I'd already thought, I'm going to do this video, I'm going to do this video. So I got home from work, played a bit of music, had a bit of a relax. And I was like, all right, I'll get started. This won't take long. So then <laughs> I turned the camera on. I'm like, all right, here we go. And then it took me like five minutes to even start the video. I'm like, all right, I'm going to make a video for, no, no, my name's Tom. No, no. Uh, I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. So I just like turn it off and went, all right, just no cuts, this is just how it's gonna come out. So I just turn the camera on. I even cut that bit, I just turn it on. All right, I'm doing this video because I've been getting asked a lot of questions. There's something you should know, you can't catch a virus. So I just started with there and then I was just on. And it went for like 20 minutes. So then I was like, that's too long. So then I thought, it's also kind of boring. So then I was like, all right, I'm gonna have to edit this. So I, I chopped it from 20 minutes down to about 10 or 11. And I did that by cutting out any pause in what I say. Right. So it's just lots of jump cuts to, so all the middle bits are cut out. And I was like, some of these things would be better if somebody else was saying it. Right. So then I thought, well, what's a funny way? I wanna entertain myself here. So then instead of me saying something, I got like, um, I got uh, Dwight from the office and I got, um, I got uh, Robert, Danny Jr. from Tropic Thunder because I, I was doing it for my friends. I was like, dude, you've been a bit retarded. Yeah. So I was like, 
you never go full retail. That's one of my favorite, <laughs> favorite sections of any movie ever. I thought, I've got to put that in. So I had other people say things instead of me, so it was a bit... Yeah, mix it up. Yeah, yeah mix it up. So anyway, that took about four hours. So then it was like midnight. Oh, I've got to upload this now. So I was do it tomorrow and I'll do it now. So then I think it was about one in the morning, I actually got it up, went to bed, and then wake up in the morning, turn the phone on. It's just like glitching so hard. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with my phone? So what, and it's just like, just like, mm, and still, like, what the hell's wrong with it? And I go, oh no, there's like 3,000 messenger messages, and I was like, oh no. Oh no. Oh no, what's happening with that video? It's like 300,000 views or something, and I was like, oh no. I go, oh, because I didn't even do it like well. I was like, yeah. this was just me having a bit of fun, yeah, like trying to pay my it. friends out, yeah. and I'm like, oh no. Did I say anything in there I'm going to regret? Yeah, because once it's out there, it's out there. Once it's, yeah, because as soon as it's out, people download screen it, screen record it, set, put it back up. I didn't like, know about that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's gone. Like as soon as you, it, this is a good thing actually for anyone to know is that if you're going to put anything out there ever, photo, video, quote, anything, just be aware that it's forever and anyone can use it at any time. It's out in the public realm then. It's like anyone can do anything with it. Even if you don't know now, like you might put something out tomorrow and then only a month later, someone picks it up. Whoa, that dude just said, and, they, and then it goes viral. It, and you, it blows my mind what people are actually willing to put out there. Yeah. You know? Like a lot of people have lost their jobs and you know, a lot of ladies might have started an ugly yeah. hands painted page or something. Yeah. It's out there forever. Yeah. What happens when you get married and the kids are born and then they find out that mummy had an mm -hmm. OnlyFans page back during early COVID? Yeah. Desperate types call for desperate Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, even if someone did that, you know, like I know plenty, because I, on the Gold Coast, I used to work as a personal trainer and a massage therapist initially, and then I became a holistic health practitioner. And, you know, I used to work with a lot of clients through gyms, and then through there, you get networked into the strip clubs and all that. So I used to actually do a lot of work for strippers and things like that. And a lot of them, to be honest, were actually pretty sharp. They're like, I know what I'm doing. It's for exactly. a purpose and it's for this. And some of them bought houses with cash. And I'm like, I'm never going to be able to buy a house with cash. So true. <laughs> and then they, and I actually used to ask them that question too. I just go, yeah, what happens though? Like, are you going to get married and have kids? Like, what's that going to look like? And they said, I'm just going to be open. And I said, you know what? That's so true. Because the way I grew up, my parents hid everything. And it developed distrust between me and my parents. They like, we're only going to say and do the right stuff. You're never going to know. I'm like, but I can tell. I don't know what's going on, but I know it's not what you're saying. And it builds distrust. And then I know other people that their parents are like, you know, I did drugs yeah. and I had a drug problem or I did this or I, you know, I sold myself on the street for a few years. Mm -hmm. And the kids can handle it if there's integrity and honesty in it. And they're like, this is what I had to do at this time. This is a lesson that I learned and this is how I live now. And these are the principles I want to teach you. Yeah. And I think you can, there's nothing you can't come back from really if you're in honor. It's so true. And with God, I think that's... That's 100%. And that's, that's the nature of being here is that everything's a learning experience, yeah. you know. And, you know, a lot of people say a, a leopard doesn't change its spots, and I've always said, what, what a stupid saying. Like, really, people, when they have those hard experiences or they hit rock bottom, they're character-defining, they're mm. life-defining. You know, if you've been into the, the gutter and, and, you know, whether it be any anything, could be could be drug addiction, could be prostitution, could be bikey, gang violence, whatever, but if you've come out of that and they're, they're character-defining, then you see some of these people, their, their stories are absolutely incredible. Yeah. And I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head. If there's honesty and authenticity around it, there's nothing you can't come back from. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, can, you can be redeemed. You can be forgiven. Um, people are willing to... I think there's something in humans. People, people love an underdog who's yeah. turned their life around, you know? Totally. And I think um, what we despise fundamentally as humans is dishonesty that is leading people into deception and into things that harm them. And that's what we're seeing right now in the political political spectrum. You know, there's something actually incredibly honest and vulnerable to be willing to put yourself in front of a camera if you have to do that or if you choose to do that to make a living. You're putting yourself out there in all your glory, whether it be a stripper or an adult entertainer, whatever. Who am I to judge, really? But if you're a politician <laughs> who is pretending to care for your health yeah. and well-being... You can't come back from that. You can't come back from that. And no. that's why there are certain penalties. Mm -hmm. you know? And there's a lot of people calling for the harshest of penalties possible at the moment for the people who are doing this to Australian people. And, yeah, you're right. There is no coming back from that. You, yeah. you can't. You can't come back from If that. it was honest and it, it was like somebody that's just, you know, done a strip video or done said something dumb or done, done something but it was in honesty... Mm -hmm. 
and it was in in uh, in the time in the moment they weren't lying to themselves or to anyone or to a higher higher purpose then i think you can come back from that but when you're willingly like very very precisely doing something that deceiving and that de demonic and evil there's no coming back like those those politicians they're they're just they're writing that they're digging their own graves at the moment 100 percent, 100 percent. because let's say let's say a, a woman has fallen into prostitution for instance to feed feed her children at the moment right that's actually an honest exchange. It's, it's an exchange. It's mm. a business. It's the oldest trade it is. <laughs> in the world. It's a service. It's a service being provided. And each party knows what they're getting, right? Each party has an agreement, a commercial agreement. But this deception and this potentially life-threatening or life-destroying deception that they're doing here is such a, a, such a ghastly form of trickery to say, we, we care about you. We're actually going to set this healthcare system up, this safety net to protect you from this alleged boogeyman, not with one jab, not with two, but now even the third. Mm. Like it's freaking, it's diabolical. And forcing in some cases. And forcing, and this is what, this is what we're hearing. And I, I sense the panic in them. Like the rant from Jackie Lambie, we were looking at it earlier. Yeah. It's, it's comical. <laughs> it's comical. But it's, it's terrifying, but it's also indicative of the fear that she must be feeling because these people know what they've done. Mm -hmm. They know they've done something that is so heinous and un unforgivable. It can't be let go. You can't let go. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The only, the only way I can think that, that there's a semblance of redemption there is if they literally are MK Ultra. It's not that they're consciously doing that. They're actually under a spell while they're doing it. That's the only way I can possibly go. I mean, it's everyone knows if you actually look into it. If you're like, let's say I want to get into politics, which I don't really, mm. but to become a mayor, highly doable. Right. To get into lower house, like House of Representatives in the Byron, in the Richmond region, yeah, there's a possibility of that. State premier, no chance ever. Mm. Um, Prime Minister, like never, ever, 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 ever because I didn't come through some Catholic lineage or some Freemason lineage, like they're all chosen, right? Like we know that if you look into it, you can see that they all come from a certain stock. And if you're not from that stock, you're not getting into those positions. They're chosen. They're not elected by the people. They're chosen. So it's like there's an element then of what was their life like? Like going back to being born, were they born evil? Maybe. Probably not though. I mean, probably not. You know, I don't see like a little Jackie Lambie or one of these other people like getting those demon eyes going like the way they're ranting at the moment. I just can't see it. So then at some point along the way, something happened. And I like to think about that. I like to, I like to think, well, what happened? Did they, was it just through standard indoctrination? Like how some people can go through their life thinking it's okay to kill another race or another religion because it's not theirs. But they're not necessarily MK Ultra. That's just what they learn. And some kids that grow up rich, they see other people as below them. They're like, oh yeah, they're just the cleaners or the peasants or we can do that. We can dig out this mine because that's just what life's like. That's, that's all they know. They haven't learnt another way. So there's that level. But then there's the level where if you're in some of these more um, secretive lineages, you definitely go through initiations. And then what's that about? You know, like at what level of trauma have they experienced where they can't even remember their childhood? On what level are they programmed through whatever rituals they've been through where somebody can literally be speaking through them when they go into that thing and they don't blink or their eyes look like they're possessed like they probably are in some way so then it's like if that if if that happened when they were eight or 12 personally i can forgive them i'm like what could if they're redeemable i would give them the chance to redeem because maybe when they're doing this sort of stuff telling people they're going to be forced whatever, and you're evil if you don't do that, you're going to kill off vulnerable people and all this guilt-tripping nonsense. There's part of me that can, if they've got it within them to be redeemed, then I'd, I'd give them that chance. You know, like if I'm the, if I'm the dictator of this realm sort of thing and, and I'm the judge, I'm like, all right, you, Daniel Andrews, come and sit here, mate. All right, let's have a look at what you've done over the last 10, 20 years. Explain this, explain that, explain what you got to say for yourself. And, and I'd give them the chance. And if they fail, I'm like, all right, you're in the catapult. You're out, yeah. you know, catapult out of the realm. See you later. <laughs> and then, um, but if they can explain or if I can find the point that they became like that and I go, are you willing to do what it takes to heal your trauma? Are you willing to do that? Mm -hmm. And if they are, personally, I'd give them that opportunity. 
with no second chances, but I'd give him that opportunity because it's funny, you know, it's like the part of me when I was younger, I was all for like lining people up and just popping them off because I was like, just got to get rid of the scum of the earth. But that was, you know, as I grew up, I'm like, there's that whole thing of live and let live. And it's not really up to us to take a life. Like, I think God works in ways where they'll suffer in their own ways, either through themselves or at the hands of others. But I don't need to like consciously take a gun and pop them off sort of thing. But um, so I've come, I kind of come to the place where I'd rather give someone the chance of redemption, for example, like Jesus always spoke about forgiveness and and even in commerce, you know, if somebody apologizes in commerce, then that resets a commercial default and that comes from the Bible. Like no matter how many times somebody asks for forgiveness, we're meant to give them forgiveness. That's that benevolence that we're supposed to carry, like the embodiment of, of God. So then uh, it's just difficult to do because if you look at what people do, you're like, some people are just monsters. It's very difficult to do. It really is. But, you know, like you know, Jesus said, turn the other cheek, right? Mm. But there also comes a point where you know, there's also the other scene where he came through the church and he flipped all the tables over. Yeah. And he, so it's, it, it's on a case-by-case basis, I guess. But, you know, I don't like seeing anyone suffer. Yeah. And, I'm, and I do see these alleged or so-called leaders. Um, I see them distressed. I see them actually suffering. I see them completely lost and confused. Um, and I, I can't help but having, how can I say? Maybe compassion's not the right word. But there is an element of empathy, and I see... I was looking at Michael Gunner, right? And my initial reaction is, this guy needs to be locked up and arrested immediately. Which is true, I think he's completely out of hand. I wouldn't say that. But I also see... I also wonder how much heat is on him. Yeah. At what point did he sell his soul, not realising what the hell... But that's what, that's what it is. You do, you sell your soul to the devil. Like, a lot of actors do it, a lot of musicians do it, politicians do it, you, yeah. So at what point... Has he sold his soul? Probably not realizing what he was getting into. Like I read a comment in my Telegram chat from a guy called Tony, and Tony's pretty hardcore. I don't know him personally, but he's just one of my hardcore co- you know commentators in there. And he said, "You know what it's like for these people? They got the drugs on tick, right? They got like a kilo of cocaine on credit, and now they can't pay. And the and the supplier is coming and putting the heat on, saying, right, you get this sorted out, or you're dead.'" And I wonder how much of that is coming through to the people who signed up to Australia for this vaccine deal. Maybe they actually thought, like I did at the start, there was a real contagion coming. Who knows? Maybe they did. Maybe they signed up for these deals to roll out X amount of million shots for Australia to think it was for the public safety. And then they realised, oh my God, what have I done? And maybe they're being threatened. Maybe their families are being threatened. Don't know. But I'm starting to sense that these people are under radical pressure do they deserve forgiveness at this stage what they need to do and this is this is how close and how quickly this whole thing could end if one of them imagine imagine this for a second daniel andrews had a moment with himself and with his creator and said i've got to fix this and he called a press conference and he spilled all the beans yeah you turn into a national hero. Oh, big time. You turn into an Australians would forgive you. Like, gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Like, the power that these people actually have for good, mm-hmm. you know, to turn this whole thing around. Like, the celebrations would be incredible. If one man or woman just spilled the beans and came, yeah. came good. Scott Morrison, if he just said, you know what, I've been lured into this Masonic society, we're doing these weird handshakes. And this is the deal. We're in big trouble. We've been infiltrated. Come together, Australia. Meet us all at Canberra. And let's end this shit show. You know what they get too is they get the support of the people. And this is what, what people don't understand is that it's like we've governed them well, we're meant to because we're far outnumbered them. Not just physically, but spiritually as well. Like we've got far more power than them. And if one of them did that, they would have... See, this is the thing. They might be under threat, right? Like, we're going to kill your kids or something. Like, that's a genuine possibility. And I've thought about that as well. So then, what the thing is, though, is that if they did it, what they're lacking is faith. That's the thing. Because they've sold their soul. Because if they realize what could happen, which is, if I spill the beans, I become the treasure. Like, they would literally be just circled by the people. They'd be taken into, even the indigenous maybe you'd help them. Like all the hideaways they've got, underground places here, there, everywhere. Like if they don't want to be found, they won't be found. But they'll live like a king. Them and their kids for the rest of their life. Looked after, cared for, 
given support, love, everything. They don't have to worry for the rest of their life. Like, honestly, for the rest of their life, they would be absolutely, not only set as in, you know, safety, security, whatever, but as in set in making things right. Set for life. Like, undone all the bad stuff. Because to take that step, that undoes everything that they've done. Totally agree. And that, but they have to find that level of faith that the good will prevail if they do that. Mm-hmm. They, same as what we were talking about earlier. Whereas if you actually go and stand in your truth, quit a job here, leave that system, and, and actually do something that's more harmonious with life itself, you'll be looked after no problem. And these people, are, I don't think they, they know that yet because they have sold mm-hmm. their soul. Mm-hmm. It's like um, Owen Benjamin talks about Faustian deals. You heard of the Faustian deal? No. So Faustian deal is where you sell your soul to get what you think you want, but you can never enjoy it. Right. So like you want the hottest woman on earth to be your wife and yeah. you get her, but then she's a total bitch and you never enjoy it. You not enjoy it. Okay. Or you like you want a Ferrari and then and then there's no more gas left in the world. Yeah. So you, you get gotcha. what you want but you can never enjoy it. Yeah, gotcha. And I think that these people, like you say, they are under immense pressure and stress. I fully believe that if you are in that lineage, you're in there because there's something they hold against you. So I've heard yeah. from several sources, won't name names, but certain actors and that, while they're coming through, like, you know, being discovered and that, they'll be invited to parties. And as they go to parties, they're sussed out to see, you know, where are their preferences and, you know, mm-hmm. how willing are they to partake in certain practices. And then the ones that are kind of like semi-willing, then they start inviting to other, like, I'll come to this room, they get them drugged up, and then they'll videotape them doing stuff with underage kids, for example. And doing other stuff as well. And then they videotape it and then they show them later. They go, so we've got this, so now you work for us kind of thing. It's either you choose between having that outed or living this life, you'll get your riches, you'll get your your multi-million dollar movie deals, you'll be a star, you'll have fame, but we've always got this. So you gotta choose. You gotta choose between coming out and then hopefully people forgive and support you because technically it wasn't your fault at the time. It's a real, it's like COVID. It's like a real, like, do I, what depth do I get for myself? Like, well, how, how do I make things right? Jambi, who you know, you know he's, he always says, doing things like that, it won't make your life easy, but it'll make it right. Yeah, make it right. Yeah, and I think that's what some of these people are going to have to make a decision to do. But really interesting is the whole media thing, the vi- media is the virus, and, and what these people say. I've got a feeling that a lot of them are sort of trying to. Because they say stuff, this is a trial, this is an experiment, you're all having this done to you, this is all, and it's like, all oh, the Freudian slip, but it's not. I think a lot of the times, yeah, they're deliberately trying to like, guys, here's like, here's just like a crumb. What are you going to do with the crumb? It's funny you say that. Georgie picks up on that. Georgie doesn't miss a thing and she often says, you know what? They're actually trying to warn people mm-hmm. and they've got their hands tied, but they're letting these little truth bombs slip out to actually tell you. Like that general, I forget his name, he was launching Operation COVID Shield. Mm-hmm. And he said, we know that the consequences of taking the vaccines are far worse than the side effects. Yeah. Like, hang on. <laughs> oh, mate, radical. But yeah. you know what? I think, you know, a real trap that any of us can fall into, and I see our whole community easily falling into it, is to focus on the crimes and the sins or the misgivings or shortcomings of all these other people rather than looking in the mirror, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's the big trap. Everyone, you know, the, I talk about it quite a bit in my telegram. There's, there's the false awakening, awakening or the, the great deception is going to be focusing in on and exposing the crimes and the sins of these guys rather than looking at where we still got stuff to do. Totally. You know, absolutely. And I think anyone who's done enough, self-reflection and introspection can look and see parts of their heart and soul that are they're, they're flawed if you like you know? yeah and this is why i think everything that we're seeing manifest at the moment is a reflection of what's been going on inside us whether it be the, the selfishness or the you know the, the the lack of morality or the, the lack of ethics that have crept into many different parts of our society and our culture and our own individual lives and We've got to look at that stuff and say, how do we get here? What was I doing pre-COVID? Was mm-hmm. I chasing this? Was I, was I going there? Was I going to the strip club? Was I doing dodgy deals? Was I being incongruous in my life? Was I, was I wearing a mask? All this sort of stuff. Everyone's had to look at that and say, right. So I think that's where we're at, you know, um, as a community. It's like, let's remember 
who, who ultimately is responsible this, for this freaking mess and for the solution. Yeah. Ultimately, it comes we to all are. us. Yeah. We all are. Totally. Yeah, totally agree. Because there's that element where, like I said before, like, even if you watch that stuff, like even if you are exposed to the media, how you react to that tells you where you are. Like if you're reacting a certain way or even watching it in the first place, you, you are part of that. Like the, you've got to start working on yourself and, and to the point where you can look at stuff and laugh at it if you do see it. Like we were pissing ourselves laughing this morning. That's hilarious, that sort of stuff. But it's like it only has the power that people allow it to have and that's the thing. You've got the media, you've got Bill Gates, you've got these people like putting out all these threats but the only power it has is the power that people give it. So clearly people are giving it the power, otherwise it wouldn't have it. So it does, it does come to us. You know, I was, I've got a live stream planned, which I'll probably still do, but I'll just mention what it's about, which is I wanted to call it the enemy at the gates. Because yeah. like a lot of people are just pointing to enemies, right? Oh, it's Jackie Lamb, it's that dude, or it's that policeman, or it's the government, like pointing at enemies, but the, the, enemy, you, the enemy isn't anywhere around you. Like they're just policemen and politicians and media. They're just doing like, they're just fulfilling their role in this like, like, you know, thing that we're in, which is basically like a movie. There's all these characters and you got the good guys and the bad guys. And then the, the you know, the, every, there's just char they're characters and they're playing their role. And it's up to us how we really play our own role. Like what's ours? Like what do, what do we do? It's not just going along with the narrative. So then to the degree that we're unable to do that is the degree to which we're still going to be tr thinking that there's enemies. Yeah. But like you said, if you want to see the real enemy, just look in the mirror. That's where the enemy really is. Because all who you think is the enemy, you're never going to see in front of you. They're so far behind the police, the media, the everyone else. Like whoever's in front of you, if you can see it, they're not the enemy. They're like way behind to the point where it comes back on itself and it's like looking through you at the mirror. Like that's the whole, it's the whole thing. It's a, and like you said, you know, until we all just get more into ourselves and deepen that connection. Yeah. It's, it's still, it's going to be something else. It goes from 9-11 to like fake massacres and then fake this and fake that, fake viruses. It's just going to be fake something else next unless we can handle that part, eh? Yeah, and get, get connected to what's real. And what's real is always available. Yeah. It's always available. And the good thing that's happening is we're finding out who's real. <laughs> you know what mm. I mean? We're all developing, I guess, our, our intuition and our discernment more. And, you know, fundamentally, you know, it is a spiritual battle. And they say we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Yeah. It is the unseen. And um, that's where the battle is going to be won, is in the part of yourself that you can't see. It's, it's in the souls and the spirits and the mind. Totally. And it's connecting with good people. Yeah. And that's what, you know, that's what All Rights Reserve is really about. It's not just about, like, lawful, how do I handle a, a contract. Like, that is where the rights are. You've got to make that decision for yourself. You know, and even, like, the world... This is the last thing I'll bring up unless you want to bring something on and I want to talk about your shirt. <laughs> but it's uh, a lot of people just, they, they get caught up in the negativity. It's like, look what's happened to the indigenous in the Northern Territory or look what's happened to kids in Africa or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's there. You can acknowledge that. But if you get down on it... You're only, you're only lowering the overall frequency of the entire realm. Like people might feel guilty for like going whiteboarding like we did. We'll bring out some footage soon or surfing. It's like... You might think, well, how can I do that? How can I enjoy my life knowing that that's going on? Well, if you're not there to do something about it, there's nothing you can do about it. Right. But you can enjoy yourself. And actually by going and doing joyful things, you actually raise that vibration a certain degree. And believe it or not, Africa or Northern Territory or wherever, whatever's going on there... Actually gets helped by us celebrating. It's true. And us living in joy and celebration and, and harmony and ceremony and doing, yeah. meeting good people doing good things like that's actually helping and i think that that's what the media wants you to not do like 100%. don't go and enjoy yourself yeah you know yeah. don't smile <laughs> it's so true like you know i i like to share a lot of the fun things i like to do and i've said in, in in dark times having fun and laughing and smiling is actually a revolutionary act mm -hmm. you know going out surfing or skating or we took out the ski and went wakeboarding and just hanging out with good people and having a laugh. You know, I had friends and family here for dinner last night. And we know there's chaos unfolding in the world. But the best thing we can do is, is have a laugh, enjoy the moment. And I think the one thing I've taken from this whole last two years more than anything is tomorrow's promised no one. You know what I mean? Tomorrow's promised no one. We, we don't know if the asteroids are on the way already. <laughs> you know what I mean? So make the most of every day. Celebrate 
the little things because it's it's all it's turned out that I think we're all starting to see the little things are the big things anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, catching up with a mate for a chat and doing a bog, podcast, or you know, I had my auntie here last night and she's a thirty a nurse of thirty five years. She's a pro vaxxer and we had a great chat. We had a bit of a laugh. We didn't descend into any sort of arguments or yeah. anything. But celebrating the moments, staying positive, uplifting the collective, and continuing continuing to live your life as best you possibly can amongst the storm. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Totally. And you're wearing an unjected shirt. What's that one about? Oh, I love this one. <laughs> we, um, we put this one together. Haley and I drew this one up. And, you know, I think at the moment, a lot of people want to see people take a stand. I get a lot of comments on this shirt. Um, we, you know, I've got a saying I'm running with it at the moment. You know, that's, people say, hold the line. It's not hold the line. We are the line. We're it. The unjected right now are the purebloods. We're the last line of unaltered humans for the future generations and we have to remain in that line and to do that we, we remain unjected did you did you see as well there's that thing where um unvaccinated sperm went up in value 400 <laughs> percent or something like that. <laughs> we're gonna be billionaires <laughs> yeah good, good stuff man uh, but, um, yeah look I'm, I'm really enjoying with what, what we're doing with with the brand and getting all rights reserved off the ground it's been humble humble beginnings and i sincerely thank absolutely everyone who's helped us get off the ground We've got lots of cool stuff going, but the real vision behind the brand is to bring media to people, more good mm. interviews, more good information. And I think what we've done really well, Tom, if we can blow our own trumpet a little bit, is we've built trust with people. You know, We don't really have any other agenda, just to, to share the truth, help as many people as we possibly can, and have a bit of fun along the way. Yeah, totally. Yep. That's why I like this one. This is my favorite one so far. Just the all rights reserved. Yes, yeah, but just sure. Just none, none waived ever. None waived Says ever. it all, yeah. But, um, you know, a lot of people say too, it's kind of, you know, Owen Benjamin's one of the guys that says it a lot, but if you don't have a voice and like you want to like support those that do, you know, support, support those that are actually got the voice and, uh, and, you know, helping to get messaging out that you want, you want put forward and stuff. So I think it helps a lot, you know, it helps us out too, because it makes us able to do more things like this. Yeah, absolutely. I really like to talk to you more, even off camera, um, after this chat, but about potentially a trip to go up to the Northern Territory with the yeah, for sure. and document what's going on there. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be a lot of support for that. Yeah. And that story needs to be told. It does, yeah. Well that's the thing, you know, when when I said before, if you can't if you can't do something directly about it, just make sure you're celebrating. But then there's that element of if there is something you can do, like when we both made those videos, like we could have not. Mm. We could have just sat and done nothing about it. Mm. You know, but if there's a slight thing that you can do, if you step forward into that and do it, then uh, yeah, it's that, that's really for me what life's about. So there is the potential to go there. So that's why if, if it happens and then, you know, it could be done and I've backed out, yeah. I wouldn't be able to live myself for that. Yeah, so it's right. like, if you can do something, go for it. If you can't, like Africa, I don't know what I can possibly do directly, except for be me, mm. speak truth when I can speak it, share when I can share and, um, and just, you know, live and live well. Well, we're here the most important time in history, so no point playing small. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll keep living large. Thanks, totally. Thanks, David. Yeah, good chat. Good again, yeah.